on Her Words podcast. I'm really excited to have everyone again back this week, and I'm just going to get started with my opening thoughts. I love it when people are passionate about things. Even if I'm not passionate about the same thing, there's something so innocent and pure about the idea of people getting excited or geeking out over something they love. It's true happiness and peace. And yeah, to some people it may seem obsessive, but if it doesn't hurt anyone or brings them happiness, I don't see an issue with it. In one of the TikTok poems that I wrote, I mentioned a friend of mine who's heavily invested in Harry Potter. And while I read the books and watched the movies, my interest is very mild compared to hers. And I love hearing her talk about it and seeing how her eyes light up. And in a way, it brings me happiness as well. And I think it's an expression of empathy that makes me feel more human and less disconnected, more attached. To know that one of my best friends can find enjoyment through something, and I can find enjoyment through that enjoyment. I also love trying other people's interests. I'll tell you right now, I'm not a gamer in any sense of the word, but last night a friend of mine asked if I wanted to play a game called League of Legends with him. Now let me preface this by saying I have no technical abilities at all, my specialty is in books and reading and paper, and my computer knowledge is very limited. I barely know how to work social media and TikTok at all, but last night I tried playing it, and while I was awful and I don't have the same obsession, it was still fun to have the experience. And I would play again. Um, It's probably not a game I would play unprompted, but if my friend asked, I would definitely play again. There's something so great about trying to do an activity or invest in an idea that someone has and truly believes in and loves because that makes you feel like you're propelling their happiness along and sometimes you can even share the interests. One of my best friends in the entire world is a book fanatic like me and so I hold her opinions very high because we have a lot of the same interests and uh, recently this earlier this year she became really really adamant about having me listen to these two bands and normally we don't talk about music often um, but uh, it's still something that we love and and I as I've mentioned before love trying new genres and listening to new things so she had me listen to two bands called um, and I'm sorry if I butcher the pronunciation but ATs and BTS and they're k-pop groups for any of you who don't know what they are I'm very new to the scene, and I don't have much experience in them at all, but after I listened to a few of their songs, I really enjoyed them, and I even put a few of them on my playlist. Now, I'm um, not one of those people who fangirls often. I wish I was, because that seems like a really fun life, <laughs> um, but like, I'm not the type of person to like go out and buy a bunch of merchandise or like that be my sole interest, but I really enjoyed their music, and it made me happy, specifically I enjoyed their English translated lyrics to their songs because for me it feels like um, almost like poetry or writing and it is in a sense and um, the beats of their music is really good too Um, and it was nice to find another artist that I enjoy. I've been trying a lot of different genres of music recently away from the mainstream pop that I'm used to listening to and I've also been listening to a lot of lo-fi music and slow beats which I've been really enjoying. But the chance to check out a new genre is cool and getting outside your comfort zone and and trying new interests that you may not know anything about can be harrowing, but it also can be really rewarding. And I guess I'm trying to say encourage each other's interests because you might find yourself growing an interest to that thing as well, like discussing music or games or books or 
movies and you could share another interest. I'm sure my geeking point is books, in all honesty. I could probably talk about different poets and writers for hours and hours, and I'm sure my friends have listened to me do so before. Just stick with your passions no matter what anyone says, and don't be afraid to enjoy things because at the end of the day, it's your life, and you have to live it. And while some people might not understand your interest, they don't have the same experiences you do, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't be interested in it. You should have your own unique interests and don't be afraid to express them. Do what makes you happy and the people in your life who truly love you will encourage it and want to take part in it as well. How do I find peace before I die? The words breached the silence between you and the Grim Reaper as you took a nighttime stroll. For a moment you were worried that he wouldn't speak, but after a moment he murmured, Why does it matter if you find peace in your final hours? Why? Because you didn't want to die in pain? Because you didn't want to leave this world before gaining an ounce of happiness of your dream? To you it seemed a simple answer and a silly question. Somewhere down an alley a rogue cat screeched hissing and clamoring down from its perch on a dumpster. Because I don't want to suffer. I want to enjoy the world before I leave, not spend every waking minute in agony. I don't know the answer to your question, the Grim Reaper admitted, but I do know this. Every waking moment of your life on this earth is a gift. Often I've wondered if these are your moments of turmoil before your endless bliss, a time to be adventurous, and your death brings you true peace. But to me it seems some humans find an eternal happy state as sitting idle. Perhaps it's those who aren't ready to give up the pain and pay off of pleasure that stay on earth a little longer. Those who want to explore, who are always wanting more. Maybe death takes those who are expectant of peace, who are ready to leave and rest naturally. Tell me, are you ready for you and death to meet? Glancing up at the moon, you thought about how eternity might be boring right now. Perhaps you weren't ready for steady and pure peace. So my first question that I got this week is, what would you change about yourself if you could change anything? This is a question that I have a lot of answers to, both physically and internally. So to pick one is really difficult, but discounting mental illnesses, I would say I have a very difficult time expressing myself. Because of some traumatic incidences in my childhood, I have a very hard time expressing outwardly that I love people. And so for my loved ones whose main language, it, or whose main love language is words of affirmation, I always worry about whether or not they ever question if I love them. A lot of times I come off as harsh or demanding or cold in general, and I really wish that wasn't who I was or how I presented. I love my family and friends deeply, and I never want them to question whether or not I am there for them, or whether or not I support them. I always try to listen to them and do what makes them happy, but still, I wish I was able to express myself more. I'm not sure what it is to be honest. I feel like I always want to say something, but the words are stuck in my throat. And I'm not sure if it's just me being a coward or just trauma holding me captive, but it's something I've been working on a lot recently. I've realized that I'm not good at expressing myself, and so I'm trying to find other ways to act as a placeholder until I'm fully healed and can say those things to the people around me that I care about. I've been using writing a lot recently, actually. I've been writing them letters and notes because writing has always been a way to allow myself to express how I feel without there being a block. And I think it's working in a way to ensure that those around me feel comfortable in our relationship and so they don't worry as much. 
So that's definitely something I would like to change about myself and something that I've been consciously working on changing because I had to come to the realization that people don't love the same way I do. My love language is quality time. So I don't need words. I just need someone to spend time with me, like even sitting in the same room and doing different things is my love language. But that's not the same for other people. So I always like asking people what their love language is so I can learn theirs. And this is a new development, by the way. I do want to say that I'm not an expert in any of this, besides like law, because I'm getting my degree to be an expert in it. But anything psychological, I'm not. So if you want to actually talk to someone who is, they may have a better idea on how to solve any issues that you have. I just say that if you are looking internally and self-critically, you should be doing so in a constructive way and not in a detrimental way. So if you're looking for things that, you know, you'd like to change, make sure that you're changing it to benefit yourself because you want to. And if it has an like a, another effect where it's also helping the people around you, that's great. But do not change yourself just because someone else makes you feel that way. And you shouldn't go into changing anything about yourself with a negative intention. It should always be, I want to improve because I want to improve because I love myself and I can make myself better. But it should never be, this is wrong with me so I have to change it. Obviously, you have to add in, in some way internally understand that perhaps there's a point that you're weaker at but that doesn't necessarily mean that that makes you a bad person just because you have that thing you need to improve on and I guess that's my point just recognizing that you are a good person regardless of what you have to improve on and I do want to say that I'm not an expert in anything oh I already said that um sorry I'm rereading my note point um, but I'm just fumbling about through this world and hoping it provides some sort of comfort to someone else that they aren't alone in doing so. And the strategies that may work for me may not work for other people. And it's always good to consult a therapist or a psychologist to see what works best for you. And this is just something that works best for me. So I thought I would share it with you guys. If you have a problem with expressing yourself, maybe try writing. It might help out a little bit. So the first question I received today is, what is the value of human life and do you believe in the death penalty? Now there's two parts to this question, so um, I think there's many answers to the first portion of it. I think there is value in human life, and there's many ways to go about finding value in human life as well. For instance, you could turn to religion if you're religious and say the value in my life is that God gave me life and gave me a purpose to love him and serve him. And since he created me and every other human on this earth, we're all on the same playing field. We should all val we all have value in this world and we all should treat each other as if we were a family loving and caring for each other. I think there's great strength in the idea of that value and it's very straight lined. Um, religion can often be very helpful in making life feel like there is a purpose if you believe in it, and it can be very beneficial. I've often found that when taking surveys in school, for instance, when they discuss your work-life balance, one of the questions often poses, are you spiritual and do you spend time seeking out spirituality? As humans, we put an emphasis in needing to find value and needing to find a purpose. And I think being spiritual and believing in whatever religion it is that you believe in or whatever positive force you believe in can be a very beneficial and rich enhancement to life. Now, of course, it goes without saying that if you're using religion 
or you're using spirituality to push forward or promote or indulge in your greed or hatred, then that's not a correct use of it. The only thing that should ever come from true spirituality is love and kindness and the good of all rather than just the self. That's not saying that you shouldn't be able to enjoy life for the sake of others, but you should strike a balance between both yourself and your community. Those things I believe I've spoken about before also go hand in hand. In the intro to this podcast, I spoke about passion and loving each other's passions. We can find peace and happiness in helping others and enhancing the enjoyment in everyone's lives. Discounting the psychopaths and sociopaths of our society who mentally cannot feel empathy, people have empathy and happiness catches. The saying money can't buy you happiness is true in a lot of ways. While it can buy you financial security and life, uh, lift the burden of debt, and in a way bring you closer to happiness, if there's not genuine human connections in your life, then it's not going to be a happy one. I think people's value is in the way we not only interact with each other, but in the way we love each other. Enjoying life with one another is the most important part. And you don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to have a lot of friends. It's all about quality over quantity. Are you striving to make those around you's lives better? And are they doing the same for you? Your purpose should always be to spread the most positivity and love you can, whether that's fighting against racial ideals, changing the system, working in health, or working in healthcare to heal. Every job, or just about every job, involves helping people or offering people a service in which they can gain some ease and break from stress. You may work as a little part of a whole organization or operation, but at the end of the day, you're moving towards promoting a better society. And if you think there's another way for you to be using your talents, then you should absolutely be working towards it. I'm a firm believer that there is value in human life, and um, it's connected to our family and friends that surround us. Now, there's another point that's quite interesting, and um, in this question, that's the question of the death penalty. So, it's kind of a hard topic, but I do believe in having the death penalty, because in this country there is parole, and oftentimes laws change. There are some very horrific people who escape with far easier sentences than they should have, and once they get out, they repeat an offense. And it happens far too often. Now, I don't think the death penalty should be effective until there are prior measures in place to ensure that people aren't dying while innocent. I do think those rates have gone down in recent years since there's many ways to appeal a conviction and it takes a long time for the death penalty um, or one of the cases to actually get to its final stage, but one lost innocent life is too many. I think death penalty cases should be reserved for violent rapists, child abusers, pedophiles, and serial killers, or um, unremorseful murderers. The reason being um, that those people cannot often control themselves or have a blatant disregard for human life, and I'm not a person who believes that those without a conscience can ever be rehabilitated. In those cases, I think it's appropriate to take them from society so that they cannot damage it more as a good-for-the-whole-of-society type of ordeal, even though I tend to be a very empathetic person and don't like the loss of any human life. Um, Take Ted Bundy, for instance. Uh, I know there's a really good Netflix documentary out right now about serial killers. Um, 
there's one about Ted Bundy. I think it's called the Bundy Tapes. Um, and at the end of it, when he's getting his death sentence and he's about to die, a lot of people drove down to Florida and hosted a giant party to celebrate his death. And I think that is absolutely disgusting. And I think it's an awful way um, for our society to operate. I don't think the death penalty should be separated, I think, or celebrated. I think that it should should be a remorseful event. There's nothing good about killing another person. And I think when we start to celebrate the death of someone else, that's when we really lose our humanity and we lose our empathy. Even if that person is awful and you hate them and you don't want them in society, necessity of the death penalty should not be used as a way to devalue human life further. Like I said, I do value human life. I think human life has a lot of value. And I know it's difficult to quantify that value because any decision to take a life needs to be made with the best interest of everyone in society. And that's a really, really hard measure. And I think it should be a really, really hard measure. And in a lot of ways, I'm against the death penalty, but when I look at the repeat offenses and those numbers, that's that's really bad. Like, you hear about these serial killers that have killed, like, five or six women, and then they get out on parole after a 15-year sentence, and they just repeat. It's it. There's some people who cannot be rehabilitated, and I understand that there are sentences where there is, you know, no possibility of parole. But if that state passes a state statute that says now there is parole, now those people have the ability to have parole. So unless there's a way to continue sentences, which I don't think you can often, um, a lot of times if there's a statute change, then you have to appeal the case and sometimes it can work in your favor where it's a it's a very complicated process, but sometimes with changing statutes, you can get it to apply in your case, um, and sometimes your case sticks. But if you are in a position where there finally are parole hearings, you're getting a board of people who, you know, have weren't on the original jury case. They might not have all the facts. They might have all the facts. There's a very real possibility that they do. But if they're charmed into your good behavior, then then they can get you off of parole and I just don't think that that's that's a a thing for serial killers specifically I don't think that there should be a possibility of parole for them because I think they do more damage than good in society they just create fear and they kill (laughs) um and so for me I don't want the possibility of them being released back into society if they cannot be rehabilitated and rehabilitation is a very 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 difficult standard for master manipulators because it's very easy for even psychologists to get charmed by sociopaths and psychopaths and that's the majority of you know the serial killers that you have don't get me wrong um of course there are people who might have um hallucinations and that's how they kill um but for the most part i'm talking about people consciously doing it and making that rational cold decision to kill And so it's difficult. I think I'm still wadding my way through those waters and trying to figure out whether or not I agree with it. But for right now, I would say that I do agree with it. Um, I do agree with the death penalty. I think it needs to be held to a very, very high standard. 
and it needs to be reserved for um, less cases than it's currently being reserved for. And I also think that it needs to be remedied first to ensure there isn't one anyone innocent being killed in the system because that's happening far too often where there are innocent people being killed by the death penalty even though they didn't do anything and a lot of that stems from racism um, and the whole reason of you know these people being in in jail to begin with was because of racism and I think that will lessen within hopefully within the future um, within the changing times and and the fact that less people I would say and I, I I'll say this I do think less people are racist today um, than they used to be I mean it's difficult to judge because there are a lot of people who are not outspoken racists um, there's a lot less of them and a lot of it's internal but I I would say that there are less racist people today at least in um, the younger generation with growing up in the current diverse culture that we have and with media it makes it easier for you to connect with people of all different backgrounds and I do think that there is less racism so hopefully we'll see less of a um, move to convict based on race in our judicial system which is a an entirely different issue I feel like I say that every single time I do a podcast but that is another issue so um, I am pro death penalty however it needs to be remedied first. I would say that that's my answer. Um, just to make sure that the people who are getting, you know, the death penalty are the ones who deserve it. And I do think that the death penalty stands as a deterrent, right? Um, last week I talked about punishment as deterrence and punishment as retribution. Um, and that portion of it I think is really important, right? Because you have people, you have career criminals who are constantly in jail to the point where jail doesn't look like it's a punishment anymore because their friends are there um, or their family is there or they've created a gang life in jail and so going to jail isn't a deterrent anymore. Um, but losing your life certainly is, especially when you're the only person you care about in the world. So I do think there's something to say about that deterrent of having the death penalty as an option because when people get to that point where they're, they're facing life in jail or they're facing a sentence that's essentially life in jail, um, I mean, for them to continue doing bad things, like doing bad things even in jail or trying to jailbreak, like that's stuff that will continue to happen on a higher standpoint um, and people will be getting in trouble more. Because there isn't anything else. When you're 50 years old and you're facing a 30 to 35 year jail sentence, that's the rest of your life. So what do you have to lose? And that I think would be the issue that you would get if you got rid of the death penalty is a rise in crime, um, specifically in the jail system. So it's, a, it's difficult to weigh the options of what you want to do because on one standpoint you're saying oh well there is a lot of value in people and people are valuable but on the other standpoint you're saying well you know you need this death penalty as a deterrent but is that deterrence equal to the value of a human life and I don't know I don't know I'd have to do a lot more research into the subject um while I do know quite a bit about criminal law for the most part um I am still learning <laughs> I am a law student but 
I would have to do more research specifically into the death penalty to see whether or not that deterrent actually works. Um, and I don't know if there's been any studies. I assume there probably has been studies on jurisdictions that use the death penalty versus jurisdictions that don't use the death penalty. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what those differences are. But that would have to be my answer. I do put a very big value in human life, but I do, right now at least, support the death penalty. I did want to just throw in a little disclaimer that I don't pretend to be an expert in any of this stuff. This is all my opinion and me speaking from thought in my head. So if there's anything that I get wrong or anything you disagree with um, or anything you agree with, please feel free to send me feedback or questions. If you have further questions, you can email me them at unheardwordspoetry at gmail.com. I'd be happy to talk about them on the podcast or answer any questions that you have. Also, um, feel free to follow me on my social medias. I'm on TikTok as Unheard Words, and Instagram as Unheard Words Poetry, and of course, I've already said my email, which is another way you can get in contact with me. I love reading your messages and comments, so please keep writing them and sending them, and I hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful week. I will see you guys next week. Have a great one. Bye-bye.